0: Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant.
1: Bullshit.
0: Bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm
1: as as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! It's the Bullshit
0: Filter, Season 2, Episode 3. How are you, buddy? Doing great. I love the Season 2. I feel like a part of the Game of Thrones. This is very exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: This episode, we're going to talk about the United Kingdom, and maybe Canada, depending on how long it takes us to get through the UK's experience. Now, the, the history of gun laws in England dates back to the assassination of William of Orange in 1584 with a concealed wheel lock pistol. Really? Now, Queen Elizabeth I, who, like me, feared assassination by Roman Catholics, banned <clears throat> possession of wheel lock pistols in 1594.
0: Right.
1: Now, the country today has one of the lowest rates of gun homicides in the world. There were 0.5, no, 0.05 wow. intentional firearm-related homicides per 100,000 inhabitants in the five years to 2011. It's about...
0: That's 15 insane.
1: to 38 people per year not 15 to 38 people per hundred per year. That's hardly anyone ever gets shot and killed in the United Kingdom and they got a population of 65 million. so um, yeah
0: they're doing something right.
1: Yeah well, let's explore what they're doing um, and how it's made we 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 spent a couple of episodes talking about Australia's experience. Let's look at the UK's experience, which I don't know as well, obviously. I don't know as personally as I know the Australian experience. Um, gun homicides account for about 2.5% of all homicides in the United Kingdom. Uh, which is is not a lot. I think, as I said in the Australian episodes, uh, around the world, guns are responsible for about 40% of homicides, usually. Uh, In England, it's 2.5%. Now, handguns in the United Kingdom were effectively banned after the Dunblane School Massacre in Scotland, coincidentally, in 1996, uh, I think it was just before the Port Arthur massacre in Australia. Uh, yeah, in March. Out, uh, not not counting Northern Ireland, the rest of the UK handguns were banned. Uh, were banned after Dunblane. Dunblane was the United Kingdom's first and only school shooting, and there has only been one uh, mass shooting in the United Kingdom since then. It was in June 2010. With a legally owned shotgun, but in March of 1996, a guy called Thomas Hamilton, 43 year old former scout leader who had been kicked out of the scouts, uh, but in 1974, so long time before 1996, he shot dead 16 children and their teacher at a primary school gymnasium with two Browning high power pistols and two Smith & Wesson 357 Magnum revolvers. Then he shot himself. The four handguns that he used were all legally owned.
0: Yeah, the uh, the gun control network that was established then, uh, the president of that uh, said uh, it looked like we were going down the American route of gun violence at the time, and it just wasn't what the people wanted. So obviously, like Australia, the, uh, the collective community is going to come together and decide to do something about it.
1: Now, nine years before Dunblane, there was another mass shooting at a place called Hungerford, where a guy called Michael Ryan went on a rampage through a town, killed 16 people before turning the gun on himself. He'd been carrying a handgun and two semi-automatic rifles, which, for which he had uh, firearm certificates, so they were legally owned. Now, uh, yeah, as you say, after Dunblane, particularly there was a thing called the Snowdrop Campaign that was founded by friends of the bereaved families, um and in fact I read one of the guys who started the snowdrop campaign. His only son, his only child had been killed in at Dunblane, and his wife had died a couple of years earlier from cancer. Um yeah. fucking imagine that, man. Like oh, God. Yeah. Um anyway, yeah, the snowdrop campaign and other petitions basically called for a total ban on the private ownership and use of handguns in the UK. They got 750,000 people to to sign the campaign, which was considered to be symbolic of public opinion. And again, the government in the UK at the time was a conservative government. It was basically Mm -hmm. Maggie Thatcher's old government. She had since been replaced by John Major as the prime minister. And uh, they actually went one step further than what their campaign had wanted and banned all handguns with the exception of 22 caliber single-shot weapons in England, Scotland, and Wales. And then when Major's government was replaced by Tony Blair's Labour government, they banned the 22 caliber guns as well. And like Australia, they had a, a gun amnesty and a buyback scheme where they compensated owners for the weapons that they hand in. Um, After Dunblane, more than 162,000 handguns were surrendered.
0: And I thought it was interesting that right after the shooting, um, pistol shooting for a recreational sport, was a fast-growing sport at the time. But again, people had the right, in my opinion, the right priorities. They're like, yes, we like going out on the weekends and we like shooting in a controlled atmosphere, but if this is the kind of thing that's going to happen, then obviously the, the, for the greater good, a lot of people were willing to give up what was for them a recreational activity. Yeah. <clears throat> for, the greater,
1: for the greater good. Uh, Now, as I said before, there's only been one uh, mass shooting in England since then. That was in 2010, where Derek Bird killed 12 people in a place called Whitehaven in northern England.
0: So let me ask you real quick, what do you make of it so far that it was two conservative governments that banned or or very very much restricted guns, which you would normally equate with being pro gun.
1: Well, look, I, yeah, look, that's a really good question, um, and I don't have a great answer. I think conservative governments in in Australia uh, and the United Kingdom are interested in the safety of the people as much as the other. Parties are. They want to build a a safe, prosperous, harmonious society, sustainable society. They tend to, I would argue, be more in the pockets of big business quite often. So, big banks, big media companies in this country, big mining interests. uh, uh, large manufacturing concerns, they, they they tend to be aligned with the interests of the rich and the powerful and the wealthy. Um, but, you know, uh, gun violence, whilst it probably disproportionately affects the lower classes, it really affects anyone. I mean, anyone can be at a country music festival. Anyone can be at a gay nightclub. Um, Anyone can be at a a school or a university and and be impacted by this. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I I think they care about the safety of everyone as much as anyone, although when it comes to climate change, they tend to be like, ah, fuck climate change. Let's just keep digging coal out of the ground and burning it out. But the difference, so I was going to say the difference is, Ray, I don't think, I touched on this at the end of the Australian episodes, um, In terms of gun manufacturing, big businesses in these countries uh, and the lobbying power that they may have and or just the, the organized um, voting uh, groups that you have with that the NRA runs in the US, we don't have those in these countries. To the extent that you have in the US. Well, I mean, we do have shooters parties and shooters groups and that kind of stuff, but they're nowhere near as powerful or as big or as organised as the NRA is. So I I think the conservative parties here don't have big gun-related organisations and businesses trying to lobby them to go this way or that, so they're able to vote uh, on their conscience uh, rather than worrying about profitability.
0: Right. Yeah, I think without some kind of detailed survey, that's probably either the best intuitive answer that there is. Like you said, the conservatives normally in the pockets of the rich and powerful. But again, um, that doesn't always have to mean that they're pro-gun. And when you have an entity like the NRA that has a lot, a lot of influence, a lot of, and we're going to, as we're going to see when we get to America, a lot of money, uh, that they can, they can, uh, fight their own battles really well. But again, yeah, not having entities like that. I think it certainly makes it easier for those governments. And they just happened to be in power when these tragedies happened.
1: Yeah, that's right. They were in power, but they took action. And uh, I think they've, they've right. been given credit for it in both countries. Now, in the UK today, fully automatic uh, guns are prohibited. Uh, and uh, obviously handguns are prohibited. Semi-automatics are prohibited. It's very difficult to get a gun. Um, There are only 3.78 guns per 100 people in the UK today. Um, Leaving outside of Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland's its own thing. It's got its own sort of uh, rules. Um, So compare that again to the United States, which is 88 guns per 100 people. Australia is about 13.7 guns per 100 people. UK is about, let's say, four guns per 100 people. Now, since the new laws in the UK were introduced in 1997, uh, unexpectedly, there was a 105% increase in recorded handgun crime in the five years after
0: 1997. What? Yep. Yep. Does that mean, like, everybody with a gun suddenly went out and committed a crime? The, the ones who had guns left over after the... <laughs> I, told, I the just spilled my back? drink all over myself. Hold on, to me a minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking off my pants now.
0: <laughs> Don't get excited. And <laughs> I, uh, Too late. My pants are already off. I've
1: got a big container of coconut water I got out of the fridge, and um, I was... Fiddling with the uh, the like the the spout on it, and I pulled it off, oh, and right. then it, it just all spilled everywhere. I
0: Was all of that code? Because <laughs> that's what it sounds. So now it sounds like you're peeing on air.
1: Yeah, come on, man. I'm not Kevin Spacey.
0: Don't, don't forget to shake at the end.
1: <laughs> that was funny. Uh, yeah, so it's a little bit counterintuitive, right? They took handguns out and handgun crime went up by 105%. Oh,
0: my God.
1: Now, in Is Scotland, there an
0: explanation or any studies for that? Or?
1: There is. I would have assumed you would have covered this in your research, seeing as you're a full-time podcaster. Tell me uh, what you came up with.
0: <laughs> they went mad. It was the iron in the water.
1: Mm. Yeah, the, the ones that still had guns were like, "Well, fuck this! So we're going to use them." <laughs> <clears throat> no, so uh, the the research seems to indicate that a large percentage of this of these armed robberies that were carried out uh, in the next five years were carried out with imitation or non functioning firearms. <laughs> So basically toy guns, realistic looking toy guns. Right. They, took, <laughs> yeah, they took out the real guns and then the crims went, well, fuck, we'll just use toy guns. No one's going to know the right. difference. They just put their fingers in their pockets and <laughs> pointed at people and said, i so got up. a gun. Yeah. <laughs> now, personally, <clears throat> if you said to me, okay, handgun crime will go up, uh, we're gonna, but it's going to be with fake guns that can't kill you, right. I, I'd be like, I'll take that trade-off. <laughs> I will take that trade-off. Yes, please. Take right. my shit. I don't care, honestly. Break into my house, take all my shit. I don't care. If you, As long as you don't kill me <clears throat> or my family. Yeah. I, I mean, don't rape them either, obviously. Uh, but... <clears throat> to- <laughs>
0: Obviously,
1: but if you have to, if you have to choose between raping them and killing them, rape them. Definitely, rape them. Yeah, we'll get we'll get over that. (laughs) Right, we'll get over that. But don't kill them. So yeah, but so you'll hear that stat used a lot. Oh, handgun crime went up when they introduced gun laws in the UK. Yeah, but when you drill into it, uh, it's not as uh, it's it's not as simple as it sounds. Now. um... It wasn't right across the UK either. In Scotland, handgun uh, offences fell by 80% in that first five years. But in other parts of the UK, they went up. Now, uh, my explanation of this is the Scottish weren't smart enough to realise they could use toy guns. No. No. Okay, uh, okay, the new lassie, (laughs) they took away our guns. It's a bro brech moonlich like nicht, there's a moose loose about the hoose and all that kind of stuff. Um so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> on a semi more serious note, I think because the shooting took place in um in Scotland that you you would think it would have affected those people yeah. a lot more intensely say if you were in London, so yeah, I can I can I can totally see the drop mm. in in the surrounding area. Mm. Mm. at least I would think so. I would that you know. Intuitively.
1: Now, since 2003, however, uh, gun-related crime has fallen consistently uh, uh, up until present times in the UK. Um, Now, there are other reasons for that. Uh, All the stuff that I talked about at the end of the Australian episodes is also true for the UK. Lead, abortion, um, macroeconomic issues, policing, particularly policing. Um, They added a lot of cops in the UK in the early 2000s. And and you'll see, if you read, again, sort of pro-gun stuff out of the US, NRA stuff, I read this a lot, they were saying, oh, well, yes, crime rate dropped because that's because they put 20,000 extra cops on the streets. That's what it really had to do with, you know, more cops. But interestingly... They've been pulling those cops back out. They've taken 20,000 cops out of the UK in the last five years, oh. and the crime rate has continued to decline. So it's probably not that long-term anyway. Putting more on the streets may have had an impact, but long-term it didn't.
0: Now, So they had their own surge of troops, and then they pulled them back, but the people, maybe the people's behaviour has already been established when they did have the 20,000 extra cops.
1: Yeah, it may have, may have something to do with it. and also might be all these other macroeconomic issues that we talked about mm-hmm. in the last episode. Right. Now, like uh, in Australia, as far as I can tell, the, the public consensus in the UK is uh, similar to here. Most people are glad they don't have guns. Uh, mm-hmm. our, our UK listeners can confirm or deny that for us, but uh, I, I did I did look around for research. What I found is that most people are like, yep, guns, bad. Uh, let's let's you know, keep them at an absolute minimum.
0: You're now, not worried about their government taking over? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've never understood that. I mean, the government's already, the federal government, it's the highest power in the land, but whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that in America. Well, we need them in case we get a crazy government. Really. Really? So what's 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 keeping you now? What's what's how come you haven't taken to the streets and taken over? Right. Oh no, we like this crazy government. we
0: our, our kind of crazy. This is kind
1: of crazy, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh
1: right. Well, Woo-hoo! that's good. Good solid argument you got there, son. Uh, we don't we don't want a tyrannical government unless it's our tyrannical government. That's all right. Um, Don't want a black president, uh, <clears throat> but I'll
0: take this one.
1: By the way, the um, the the homicide rate in uh, the UK has also been falling. From a high in 2002, mm-hmm. when a, a family doctor, Dr. Harold Shipman, was uh, charged with or responsible for killing 172 people.
0: What? How?
1: Yeah, yeah. You gotta, like, you know, he wasn't and fucking doctors. around, Dr. Shipman, man. Like,
0: uh... More like Dr. Ebel.
1: He was committed. You gotta give him that. <laughs> Say what you like about Dr. Harold Shipman, but he was committed. Uh, a lot of a lot of elderly women, I think. He was uh, anaesthetising right. um, without their permission. And, uh, go, oh, well, they did. Old age. He even He did get one, apparently, to put him on the will, which is how he got found out. Um wasn't like burying him in a hole in the backyard or anything. It was like, oh, she passed away. But he was, he was knocking him off and he hung himself in jail before uh, his trial. So they never really worked out what the fuck that was all about. But anyway, yeah. crime rates have been dropping in the UK, as have the homicides rate. Um, maybe the extra police surge, maybe not. Um, I sometimes read in NRA-related stuff too, American stuff, that in the UK there are 2,000 violent crimes per 100,000 people, where in the US it's only 400 violent crimes per 100,000 people. Which makes it look like the UK has five times as many violent crimes per capita as the US. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that data?
0: No. Tell me it's BS.
1: Why am I not surprised?
0: Um, Now, this is misleading. As I
1: said in the earlier episodes, comparing homicides rates is one thing, because a homicide is a homicide. Got a dead body. It's not suicide. It's not an accident. It's a homicide, right? Everyone around the world pretty much agrees on what the definition (laughs) of a homicide is. And a (laughs) gun-related homicide is one where there's a big fucking hole in them, Right. Um, a round hole, uh, anyway. Right. Um, but crime, comparing crime rates is more difficult because what is defined as a violent crime by the FBI, for example, is not necessarily what is defined as a violent crime by the British Home Office or the Australian yeah. government or the Canadian government. So when, when you see data comparing crime rates uh, from country to country, You've got to be a little bit careful. Now, there are some ways of doing it. Some people have gone to extreme lengths to try and do apples and apples comparisons. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is is difficult. Now, for example, with this one, 2,000 violent crimes per 100,000 people in the UK versus 400 per 100,000 in the US. The British definition includes all crimes against the person including uh, basic assault, robbery, sexual offenses whereas the FBI numbers only account aggravated assaults and forcible rapes. Jeez. So when you're comparing those two numbers, the British are throwing a whole bunch of extra things into their crime bucket, violent crime bucket there compared to what's considered a violent crime uh, by the FBI.
0: So I wonder how that's considered mm. Good record keeping on our part to parcel it out like that, or to separate the statistics like that.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, you know, again, countries just have different ways of classifying and things and measuring things. It's yeah, it's. It, I'm, I'm not suggesting that uh, the FBI are doing anything sneaky, although anyone who's right, anyone no. who's watched the Wire knows that there's this concept of juking the stats. Let's listen to Prez Beluski.
0: the time being, all teachers will devote class time to teaching language art sample questions. <laughs> now if you turn to page eleven, please, I have some things I want to go over with
1: you. I don't get it. All this so we score higher on the state test. If 13... we're teaching the kids the test questions, what is it assessing in
0: them? Nothing. It assesses us. The test scores go up. They can say the schools are improving. The scores stay down. They can't.
1: Juking the stats. Excuse me? Making robberies into larcenies, making rapes disappear. You juke the stats and majors become colonels.
0: They're here Wherever you go, there you are.
1: Love it. Love the wire. Love yeah, that show. Juking the stats. Yeah. Basically, just, I should have set that up before you. It's, it's in a school. Prez Balewski's a cop who ended up becoming a teacher, and he finds out that just as it happened in the police force where they would fiddle with the stats to make it look like things were going better than they actually were, <clears throat> um, they were doing the same thing in the mm. schools where they were teaching the test so the kids would get better results, so the school <laughs> looks better, so they get more funding. And, uh, you know, in fact, my boys who have just finished grade 12 here were telling me the same thing happens there when they're having their standardized statewide testing to see how the school's performing.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, the
1: school was saying to the dumb kids, don't come tomorrow. Just stay home. Uh, have a sick okay. day tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Go hunting. Uh, it's yeah. it's, uh, it's yeah. appalling.
1: I'm, I'm absolutely appalled and disgusted by that.
0: Creative accountancy. You know, I was thinking about on the, when we did the last show for your two, for the twins, your older boys, for them, mass shootings is literally studying history. Like you said, it never happened in their lives. You just have to imagine their outlook versus someone like us who's seen. Just so much. I, that's just Well, you know, I've tried too.
1: to get them to come to America when Chrissy and I go over to visit um, every couple of years or whatever, and they have refused up until mm-hmm. this point. They're like, oh, why would I want to go to that? It's crazy. They shoot each other. I don't want to. Why would I put myself crazy in there? Chrissy down. tries to talk him down. Yeah, you know, uh, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as it looks. Like it, but why? why would you even put yourself in that situation? That's insane. It's like going, I'm going to go swim in these right. crockle, crocodile infested waters. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, what's the worst that could happen? In
0: Egypt. Yeah. I'm, I might not die, mm. but I might. Mm. Why put myself in that?
1: I remember, the first, honestly, the first time, um, the first couple of times I went to the US, I was extremely conscious of the fact that it was a violent society and there were guns everywhere. I don't think about it as much anymore. But it's always present in my mind when I go over there, just uh, I feel like I'm, I don't know, looking at, looking around corners, looking behind me, just walking on eggshells.
0: Yeah. Well, did you see in the news on, on Halloween day, the last day of October where the, the guy, you know, rented the truck and plowed into the bicyclists Mm -hmm. in New York city? Did you? Okay. Well, it's Halloween night. I take my kids trick or treating and there's a. It's a very small town. We're talking two roads that intersect, incredibly small town. But for a part of it, they park fire trucks in the middle of the street so no cars can come down the road. And so this is gonna sound crazy, but I just saw that on the news. And when we passed the fire trucks and we were inside the zone, if you will, I'm sitting there thinking I can relax for a moment because no one can physically get a car to us to mow everybody down. Once you're on the outside and there's cars around, it's possible, but I was literally thinking, feeling a little safer when we were inside, when the streets were blocked with fire trucks <sighs> while we were trick-or-treating. And I don't know, it, It's that's just yeah. what it's getting to. Yeah, uh, and, it's, it's crazy.
1: Sometimes. Yeah. So, let's get back to Britain, uh, or the UK in general. Um, mm-hmm. Now, uh, the Britain doesn't just have fewer gun-related homicides. It has dramatically lower murder rate all around. In 2010... The United States had an average murder rate of 4.8 murders per 100,000 people. The U.K. is Mm 1.2 murders per 100,000 people. So it was four times. So the, the U.S. murder rate is four times per capita the murder rate in the U.K., So you have about four times the chance of getting murdered if you live in America than you do in the United Kingdom. Not just guns, overall murder rate. So what about the suicides in the UK? Well, as in Australia, they were already in decline before the gun laws. They've continued to trend downwards. So on the basis of all of that, what can we say about the UK experience? Um, I would say, like Australia, it's really hard to say if the gun laws really had an impact on homicides or on crime, certainly seem to have had an impact on suicides there for the same reasons uh, we talked about in the Australian episodes. There's only been one mass shooting in the last 21 years in the UK. Uh, And again, this must have an effect on the national psyche. Um... It's gun gun control is popular over there, from what I can tell, and yeah, they've had some other mass attacks. They had the knifing attack uh, on the bridge not long ago. They they have you know um, blah, 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 blah. they've had they've had a, 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 a fuck talk. <clears throat> they've had and they've had a number oh, of terror yeah. terrorist related incidences. Over the last uh, 10 years in the UK. Um, But uh, so they don't, they're not devoid of problems, but um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, again, the other thing, even though we cannot directly connect um uh, getting rid of guns with a fall in crime the fallen deaths and and rapes and arre- uh, and uh, murders and things like that still mm-hmm. i mean no one's going to argue that it's hurt i mean it doesn't hurt to have fewer guns in the country. So maybe it's a part of a general trend that would have happened anyway, but who's to say that it's not a good thing to re- remove these devices that can allow anyone to kill a lot of people in a very short time.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's my perspective as well. I mean, if... Okay, so let's say... Uh, people will sometimes say, in the US, well, you can still get killed with a knife, right? If, I, if, if Chrissy and I are walking down the street and we get mugged, and the guy's got a knife. I feel fairly confident that if I uh, attacked him, you know, if I felt the need to do that, I initially I'd just give him my shit and go take it, man. Like, good luck, God bless. Um, but right. if he if he if he appeared to be kind of crazy eyed, if and and he was, I thought he was going to harm us. If I if I if I Mm-hmm. wrestled with him. I might get cut, stabbed. I might even die. But I'm pretty sure I could hold him off for a couple of minutes in the process, which would give Chrissy a chance, or Chrissy yeah. and Fox a chance, let's say, to escape, to get a get away, get a block away, right? Yeah. Hide, call for help, run into a shop, a house, whatever, get in a car. If the guy's got a gun... Even a handgun, let alone semi-automatic or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm fucked, really. Uh, Unless, you know, I'm pulling out some uh, Bruce Lee style shit. And I could, don't get me wrong.
0: (laughs) 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 Just because you can do the accent doesn't... Anyway.
1: Why are you looking at me?
0: (laughs) <laughs> ah,
1: I'm, trying to, I'm trying, to, trying to talk with an overdub mouth like uh, Michael Winslow does. <laughs> You'll look at my sister the wrong way. That's
0: when you say... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Yeah, that's when you go, my master was better than your uh, master. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, if he's got a gun, I'm fucked. Like, one shot, I'm down, another shot, they're down... And then Fox would have to grow up to be Batman, which in and of itself,
0: not a bad thing. (laughs) He's already going to grow up to be Batman.
1: Ginger Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Do I look like a cop? Who gave the order? And then somebody, he's got the criminal upside down. He's going, who gave the order? I'll answer that in a second, but... Is that red hair poking out of your cow? Are you a ginger? <laughs> That's got nothing to do with it. Oh my God, you are! You're a ginger. Fuck me! No wonder you're so angry. Because I can't take you seriously. <laughs> Why right? are you so angry? You can't go out in the sun, and you don't have a soul. So <laughs> I get it. I get it
0: now. <laughs> I'd be angry too and dress up like that.
1: I said, It's oh, well, not he, true. He, then he hugs it's back. Not, it's, it's not true. It's just the light. Don't, don't leave me alone. Batman runs away, cries in the corner, Dig, oh. digs into his utility belt for some bat tissues.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's going to be okay. Oh, God. Anyway.
1: So my point is I'll take a gun attack <laughs> over a knife uh, uh, yes. sorry a knife attack over a gun attack uh, any day now right uh, yeah look there's been some horrible knife attacks in in the UK uh, in recent times but uh, generally speaking yeah I'll take a knife attack over a gun attack now yeah let's move on to Canada mm-hmm
0: now Canada has well the first thing that uh, yeah, I think we have a lag. No, I was just going to say that um, the first thing, of course, um, that that's the big that's all in the news because of the Las Vegas shooting is Canada's does not have the the bump stock device, which, you know, uses a gun's recoil to push the trigger into the shooter's finger. Um basically turning semi-automatics into automatics. But again, Canada has um, much stronger laws than we do uh, um, when it comes to guns. I did not know that as of 2014, Canada had 9,950,000 guns. And as I said earlier, the United States as of 2014 has 270 million guns. So again, it's not like there aren't guns in Canada. It's not like there are not guns in Australia. It's just that... I guess maybe the mentality is different, but the laws yeah. are certainly different.
1: Yeah, Canada's an interesting one. They have pretty strict gun laws, but they have a lot more guns per capita than Australia or the UK, although, as you said, not as many as America. The most recent numbers I found were 2004 numbers that said there were firearms in about 15.5% of Canadian homes compared to 347 mm. American homes great about 25 guns per 100 people again America's 88 Australia's 14 the UK is about what do we say 3 or 4 about 25 in Canada so a lot compared to Australia and the UK but not many compared to the US um Actually, I've I've read numbers that said eighty-eight per hundred. I've also read numbers the US says there's a hundred and one guns per hundred. So I don't know which is right. There's a lot. Now on yeah. on the in an average year in Canada, if, if sorry, what were you going to say?
0: <clears throat> no, that I was just going to um I was just going to describe the steps of what it takes to buy to buy a gun in Canada. But we can do that a little later if it's you know. Yeah, jump in, whatever. Okay. No, I just thought it was interesting. So in order to get a gun in Canada to be eligible to receive a PAL, a position only uh, license, um, all applicants have to successfully complete the Canadian Firearms Safety Course, for, um, for a non-restricted license and the Canadian Restricted firearm Safety Course for a restricted license. Uh, the non-restricted class is a prerequisite to, to a restricted license. Um, each province or territory's chief firearms officer publishes information on the location so you'll know where to go. So, so you have to take a class, you have to take a course. Uh, applying for a license, currently only one type of license is available to new applicants, and that's just the uh, possession acquisition license. Uh, but again, they have the uh, the background checks, they have the reference interviews, they have to be screened, they have the mandatory 28-day 28, 28 waiting period for all first-time applicants. So again, I think Australia... And UK had, I think it was at least 28, if not 30 days of waiting period after you've gone through everything that you still have to wait before you receive your license. So again, they have slowed down the process and it gives them plenty of time to check someone out before a license Mm. is given to them.
1: Now, in uh, Canada, every year they have about roughly 200 gun related deaths. They have a population of about 36 million people. So population is about 9% of America's population, but they have 1 50th the number of gun-related homicides. Per capita, it's about... Is that because it's too cold up there? (laughs) Per capita, it is about seven times less firearm-related homicides. Now, it may have something to do with the cold. Um, in fact, if you look at map of uh, gun homicides in the United States, just pulling the I don't have it in front of me, so I'm just pulling mm-hmm. it up now. <clears throat> um, you, you can actually see that um, most of the gun related homicides in the. US um, sort of don't take place in the far north, right? So maybe there is some sense in what you're saying. I mean there's I've got a, like a heat map of gun violence here. Um, most of it's on the eastern side of the. US, east of the Mississippi. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it's on the East Coast, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, go down to Miami. It's just This map just looks like a pimply teenager, quite frankly. Um, L.A., Oakland, Portland, Seattle, um, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Denver, all the, all the you know, major capitals we expect. But when you get up around the sort of western uh, northern regions up around where you border under Canada, not a lot. So maybe I mean also there's no major capitals up there. I mean, Seattle's probably the closest, so that may have something to do with population density in those areas. Um, I don't know, but maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe the colder it gets, the more you're like, "Oh, let's just sit in front of the fireplace." Fuck this! I'm not going to go. I'm not going to kill anyone tonight, <laughs> honey. That's it's right. uh, too cold. Just give me a. Where my woolly my my socks stick to and the gun. drink a hot toddy. Instead, I was going to go out and kill someone, but uh, fuck this cold but, man. Who who can be bothered? It's like yeah. it's like me trying to have a cigar in uh, Zion National Park in the middle of winter a couple of years ago. I'm like, I'm I'm persisting. I'm gonna do it. My hands are freezing off. I'm not enjoying it, but I'm fucking. I haven't had a cigar in a week. I'm gonna have one. I don't care what you say. I don't care how cold it is outside. I'm doing this. <laughs> Mm. Mm. anyway good for you thank you you need the right Um, choice so Canada a lot less firearm related homicides than the US but way more than Australia and the UK now guns account Mm. for 69% of all homicides in the United States in Canada only 33% of all homicides now, the most uh, famous big mass shooting in uh, Canada happened in 1989, a few years before the ones in Australia and the UK. It was at the Echolet uh, Polytechnique in Montreal, in uh, Quebec. The 25-year-old guy, Marc Lepine, uh, walked around with a, a rifle and a hunting knife, shot 28 people, um, killing 14 women before committing suicide. It's the deadliest mass shooting in Canadian history, and uh, was sort of one of the turning points there in bringing about uh, stronger gun control laws that you mentioned before.
0: Right. Jeez. So was was their reaction? similar to uh to australia's or was it where they they did something pretty quick or was it more of a gradual process um
1: yeah no it was pretty quick and and some of it's been undone in recent years uh, when stephen harper was the prime minister but Mm -hmm. basically they uh have uh a classification over there where you have three basic categories prohibited restricted and non-restricted prohibited firearms things like ak 47s um, sawn- off rifles shotguns your sort of your your, your military grade assault weapons uh, semi-automatic and automatic and uh, sawn-offs then you have your uh, restricted weapons which are things like handguns and then you have rifles and shotguns which are usually non restricted easier to get those and obviously a lot of, there's a lot of people in Canada mm. I imagine are still Hunting, trapping—what um, do you call those things with the? What, what, yeah, the fighting up the bears. It's Revenant. Yeah. I think in Canada, I think of Leonardo DiCaprio and Revenant, fighting off bears and right. trapping otters. Basically, that's what I think. That's how I think. Yeah, there you go. Most people in Canada live. That's what they're doing: but- trapping <laughs> otters and fighting off bears. That's basically my view of Canada.
0: When they're not, you know, by the stove trying to survive the latest, uh, the freeze. Yeah. 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 That's pretty much all they do. Uh,
1: Where was I going with that?
0: Oh, yeah. So, um,
1: as you said, you've got to have a license and there's a screening process and all that kind of stuff. Now, these were loosened up a little bit when the conservative government was in charge a few years ago. Uh, Stephen Harper scrapped a thing called the Long Gun Registry. But uh now that they've got uh Mr. Sexy um <laughs> JT JT Justin Timberlake, is uh, now prime minister of Canada. Uh he hasn't he hasn't uh reintroduced the long gun registry. Uh, um so they they're not keeping this sort of um you know, like we have a, a registry in Australia, and I think they have in the UK <clears throat> of people that do have weapons, a national registry. They scrapped that in Canada. But even with that, mm-hmm. still the laws there are much tougher than in the US. Um, now, about yeah. uh, so one in five firearm related deaths in Canada is the result of a criminal offense. Uh, The rest are the result of suicide or accidents or legal intervention, i.e. a cop getting involved in shooting him. One in five is a criminal offence, about 21%. And in 2012, about half of all homicides committed with a firearm were gang-related, uh, uh, yeah. I, I assume that those gangs are that be gangs a, of otters defending yeah. themselves against <laughs> grizzly bears. Is basically what I think a lot of those. Are about. Right.
0: <laughs> well, if you're an otter, you're definitely going to want a gun mm. going up against a grizzly right. bear. That's just not. Yeah, fair. I get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I was just wondering if the, um, the activity of the gang should be in a separate category because, yes, someone died from a gun, but the two sides are obviously fighting over something, and so something's going to happen like that. Uh, I wonder what the numbers would be if that kind of activity was, was taken out of the mix or put into A little known category.
1: fact that the gangs in Canada are actually the nicest gangs in the world. When they're having a <laughs> shootout, they actually say, well, looks like I'm going to have to shoot you here. Oh, really? Oh, I wouldn't like that, eh? <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very sorry, sorry, eh? <laughs> I'm going to have to shoot you. Uh, you, you could, would you mind if you don't shoot me, eh? I could run away. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to... I don't know what the fuck that accent is. But anyway, that's my impersonation of Canadians. Speaking,
0: right. speaking of impersonations, we
1: went to see this new uh, Churchill film the other day, Darkest Hour. Went to a screening of that, Gary Oldman oh, yeah. playing Churchill. Um, and I tell you, I reckon my Churchill impersonation is uh, pretty good compared to Gary Oldman's. <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> Aww. I can't yeah, go, oh, I kept wanting to get up and go. Oh, shut up! Just let get let me no. do that. <laughs> He's not even shaking his head properly. <laughs> in all seriousness, a great performance by Gary Oldman in that film. The film yeah. itself. Not great. I mean, okay. Uh, it only—it's only like the first three weeks of his prime ministership, uh, May nineteen forty, um, and, and it depicts a little bit about how unpopular he was and how everyone hated him. Um, but uh, there's a couple of really ha- sort of hack scenes, really embarrassingly bad, badly written scenes. But Gary Oldman's great. I mean, he carries the whole thing. Does ch- yeah, he's great. a right great track. fucking yeah. actor, solid, massively solid. So anyway, yeah, good. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I, I mean, it's okay. For fans of ours who've listened to the Cold War show in particular, worth seeing, uh, get just more of a sense of Churchill smoking cigars, drinking, I mean, there's great scenes where they come into his bedroom. The morning of the day yeah. where he's going to be made Prime Minister, uh, his, you know, his staff comes into his bedroom uh, and pulls past, pulls apart the curtains. He's already have, he's already sitting there drinking a scotch and smoking a cigar. <laughs>
0: it's,
1: the room is there dark, you go. and he's uh, already into it. There's a great there's a great line where he's having lunch with King George, and uh, he's drinking. Uh, fucking Churchill's drinking champagne, and uh, King George says, "How do you manage? How, how do you manage to drink so early in the morning, early in the day?" How do you manage to tweak so much so early in the day? Churchill just says, practice. <laughs> A lot of great <laughs> lines, you know. I mean, it's gold when you're working with Churchill, so many good lines. Anyway, back to Canada.
0: Yeah.
1: Um so, uh yeah, like the rest of these countries we've been talking about, crime rates are down, homicide rates are down. Uh, In 2013, the police reported crime rate was at its lowest point since 1969. Homicides were also at their lowest point Mm -hmm. since 1969. So here we have a country that has way more guns than the UK and Australia per capita, also has way more gun-related deaths per capita and deaths overall uh, and yeah. a higher percentage of homicides are related to firearms. But violence is down, generally speaking. Uh, homicides are down. Crime rate is down. But when you compare, like, and you, I mean, culturally, UK, Australia, and Canada, very, got a lot in common, right? Canada and Australia, large colonies mm-hmm. up until got our independence at some point in the late 18th or early 19th centuries. Um but uh, so, very, very similar in many ways. And Canada is also very similar to the US in lots of ways as well. But they have more guns, also more gun related deaths, and also more homicides related to guns. So, there does seem to be a correlation there. The more guns you have, the more they will be used in homicides. Your homicide rate will be higher. Uh, and, and your gun-related homicide rate will be higher. And I couldn't find any data about public attitudes towards guns or gun violence in Canada. Could you?
0: No, we should have had Tony Kynaston on the show.
1: Well, Tony's an Australian who just has lived in Toronto for a few years, but he would have a sense. Um, actually, he was oh. actually around here for dinner uh, a couple of weeks ago. He's in Australia at the moment. He's in Brisbane, came around, we had dinner. Um, oh, nice. Yes, lovely. Always lovely to see Tony. Um, but yeah, any Canadians listening in, jump on our Facebook page and or shoot us an email and, and let us know what you think about uh, what you think yeah. about uh, the public attitudes towards guns and gun control in Canada.
0: I'm I'm going to assume that the same trend um for the United States for the UK and for Australia where we, we were talking about violence was actually going down was trending down uh it obviously applies to Canada as well. So again, you can't you can't give uh their their stricter gun laws credit for that, but again, if you could scoop Canada up and physically remove it from being the United the on the border of the United States, I wonder if their gun-related deaths would go down. I wonder if it's the proximity, the fact that we share culture, you know, the cultural influence of the United States. But again, I wonder what would, if you kept their same laws and you moved it to a different place away from the United States, what over time would be the effects I of that, too. if any?
1: By the way, uh, I, should, I haven't told you this either, but we have new email addresses for this show, cam mm-hmm. at thebullshitfilter.com and ray at thebullshitfilter.com. Shoot us an email to either of those if you want. And, uh, yeah, good luck with that. Um, So let's finish this episode by doing a summary of the other countries, and then we'll get in our next episode to America. Based on all the research I've done over the last week, um, I would say that the experiences of Australia, the UK, and Canada – seem to indicate pretty strongly that reducing the number of guns and increasing the restrictions on gun ownership has a correlation with reduced gun violence, particularly with reduced mass shootings. But Mm -hmm. whether or not we can say that uh, there's a direct correlation or there's a cause and effect there, I can't say for sure or with the cause and effect between removing guns and reducing violence. I, th- I think it is fairly clear in those three countries that it, re- removing as many guns as you can out of society certainly reduces the suicide rate, and that's a good thing. Right. I mean, just think about, for our listeners, if you have somebody near and dear to you who goes through a bad patch and they have a bad day a bad moment they try and commit suicide by the way i have an uncle had an uncle who committed suicide with a gun uh, uh, well i don't know 15 years ago maybe um uh, he was a, he was a former air force pilot uh had just retired beautiful family beautiful marriage been married a long time to his wife gorgeous kids who were adults at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, he had sort of an Alzheimer's moment one day. Uh, Couldn't remember. He was out uh, in the city in Sydney. Couldn't remember where he parked his car, I think, is the story. Um, They made an appointment to take him to a neurologist. And um, before he could even make that appointment, his wife woke up next day. He wasn't in bed. She found him out in the backyard, propped up against a fence, blowing his own head off with his shotgun. Why he had a shotgun living in middle of suburban Sydney, I can't tell you. But, uh, yeah. Now, right. classic example. There was probably nothing seriously wrong with him. Um, maybe he might have had a mini-stroke. He might have had some sort of small aneurysm. Maybe it was early-onset Alzheimer's. He was in his uh, late 60s, I guess. Um, nothing probably really that wrong with him, that he couldn't have lived another 10, 20 years mm-hmm. easily, happily. But for whatever reason, just decided to go and put a gun in his mouth and kill himself. Now, the, the, the trauma that his wife and, and children went through, his wife found him, imagine that, trauma that his children went through, his grandchildren, right. his uh, siblings, my mum, uh, and and the rest of his siblings, he had a brother and another sister. Um, terrible. Uh, fortunately, his parents had, w- weren't around at that stage. But yeah, just terrible, terrible thing to happen. Now, if he hadn't right. had a gun, uh, he may still have managed to commit suicide. Maybe not. Maybe he would have. Uh, maybe he would have just got through the day. They could have got him to a neurologist. The neurologist would have said, "Hey, listen, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it." But uh, so those things happen. So yeah. getting, I think. Uh, if there's someone near and dear to you that could commit suicide in a bad moment, would you rather they succeeded or failed? I'm sure most of us would hope that they didn't do it at all, or if they did try, they failed, and you could get them into some mm-hmm. sort of recovery and, and keep them in your life. So getting rid of guns seems to have a direct correlation on that. But in terms of direct correlation on reducing violence in general, I'm not convinced. That said... right. I am glad that I live in a country where we have strict restrictions on guns. I'm glad we don't have mass shootings. I'm glad that I and my wife and my children and my friends live in a country where we don't walk around with that as part of the social fabric, not just the ever-present threat of a one-on-one shooting or a mass shooting of gun violence in general, but the stuff I've talked about over the course of these episodes, just that being in the atmosphere, it's bad enough for us when it happens in your country. Because obviously the media here is saturated mm-hmm. with it when things like Las Vegas happen. And uh, it, it's all over social media and over Facebook, things like that. And we get sucked into those conversations more often than we'd like to. And, you know, Chrissy just walks around here shaking her head going, what's wrong with my country? Um, and 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 I have to deliberately try and stay out of it because I've given up. You know, ten years ago I would have engaged Americans in these conversations. Now I'm like, oh fuck America! America's fucked. Like fuck it. I'm not yeah. even. I'm not even going. I've heard all of the arguments a million times. I've debated this so many times now. It's uh, I don't care anymore. It's just, it just seems like it seems like a waste of time and energy. But. We don't have it in this country or in the UK or in Canada. And I think most Australians, from what I can gather, most Australians, people in the UK, um, UKians, is that what you call them? I think that's what you call them. UKians. We'll just call them UKians. And uh, Canadians. Sure. Feel the same way that I do. We, we are glad that we live in countries with strict rules restrictions on guns and we've you know we've had these now for a generation and there's n- re- pretty much nobody in these countries going oh let's be more like america
0: yeah yeah there's nothing to be gained to to bringing guns back into those societies and i just wanted to add on again based on cam's research tonight the the commonalities between uh these countries that we've covered tonight it actually says you have to have a genuine reason for holding a firearms license, and you have to be a member of some kind of shooting club or a range or something like that, where there are professionals around, and the process to get a gun. And there's a there's a waiting period. And again, so they have really taken this seriously. They thought it out. Um, and there was one Australian who who was writing because he's he's had a guns. He's had guns all his lives. Uh, All his life. And he said, look, it's not a big deal to have a gun. You just have to jump through some hoops. You have to be responsible and you have to be able to uh, show that you're being responsible. But again, a lot of people just don't want it. And as we said, I think at the beginning of one of the shows, um, people in, in Australia and the UK and maybe in Canada, I don't know, I couldn't find it. They don't think in terms of having guns as being needed to be safe it just doesn't factor into their thinking and when we get to america of course we're going to find out that that's one of the reasons that's been shoved down our throats by the nra and other pro-gun lobbyists uh for years and now it's become to us um absolute fact all right Well, that's the end of
1: this episode, folks. Thanks for tuning in and uh, for subscribing and all of that kind of stuff. We appreciate it. Hope you've uh, learned some things. Uh, We'll be back next week where we'll start to talk about the American experience.